This is Behind the DM Screen. It is October 2020. We are two DMs talking about our games and helping each other out. Uh, We are short Sam tonight. Uh, Literally just before our recording started, he texted to let me know that he lost power. Uh, And the power company says um, it'll be fixed around 1130 tonight, which he estimates means somewhere between 830 and, you know, tomorrow. So we decided to go ahead and record without him. And by we, I mean not just myself, but also uh, Mike Shea, as always, is Hello. with me as well. Hi, Mike. Hello. How's how, it going? How are things? Not bad. I'm playing a ton of d and I'll tell you. I had five games and four, four games in five days. Wow. Yeah. That is a lot. i a lot of D&D. Uh, you and... Um, Ishmael, uh, Ishmael Alvarez, who does uh, a lot, a lot with us. Um, he was saying the other day that he's up to, I think, nine games now. He's like he's, nine ongoing games. He's running nine ongoing games, right? It's <laughs> nuts. Yeah, and, I've and, got, and he doesn't I play. Agree. He doesn't. He doesn't pull the Mike Shea trick. He's not running like nine inner iterations of the same. The same one. He's I doing like nine separate it. campaigns. It's is crazy. it full time? Is he doing it basically full time? No, I, well, not that I know of. <laughs> I couldn't do that. Oh. Yeah, I've I've got two that are the same and have merged together now, and they're a lot easier to run. And then Avernus, and uh, then I'm running playtests of Fantastic Layers, which are just one-offs. So right, right, right. Those are not hard to manage. I, I have one of those in my back pocket for if we ever nice. get to it for reasons yeah. that I will explain shortly. Um, now we need now we need testing on all the twentieth level ones. So well, that's not what I have. <laughs> either 20th level players or the 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 play test for that but yep yep um so we are supposed to start with sam tonight so he'll be disappointed so let's do that wait okay he's done oh oh well no actually we do have something to share from sam um no. he he wanted to talk about the fact that he is starting a rhyme of the frost maiden game uh and he wrote an article about what he's doing with Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, and it is available at RPG Musings, and that's what he wanted me to say. So Sam's cool. Sam has been spoken about. Awesome. Go check it out. I should I should go check it out. Um, yeah, and he's he's. I'll be interested to see how it goes. I have. Yeah, I'm. Con- I'm I have concerns I'm definitely with Rhyme. So you have what concerns with Rhyme of the Frost Maiden? I have concerns as well. Yeah. My my concerns are now well documented. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I haven't been subtle either. <laughs> but um, I'm letting everyone else run it, and then I'll figure it out in three months. No, that's yeah, that's my plan. Yeah, let guys no. like Sam figure it out, and then I'll I'll have well trod ground ahead of me. Yeah. In some ways, I, too. in some ways, I have fewer concerns with Rhyme than I have with Storm King's Thunder, and in some ways, I have way more concerns. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so anyway, Sam's running that. He'll have more to report on that uh, as we go on, and we'll find out how he's putting it together and how he's making it work. So I'll, I look forward to hearing that, actually. I think there's a lot of cool things in Rhyme. Um, so uh, should I put, start a timer? Sure. Okay. What, how much time are we going to give ourselves tonight? Um, an hour and 45 minutes. So let's go 20 minutes each and see where we're at. That sounds good. Okay. That sounds better. <laughs> um, so I am still running two campaigns. Um, I am running... 
my uh, regular group campaign, which is currently in the midst of Curse of Strahd, and there is stuff going on there that is exciting and I need help with. Um, and then I am running Descent into Avernus with my children on Sundays, and that game is going really well. Uh, and so I can talk about that one as well. Um, maybe we start with Descent into Avernus. Sure. Since uh, it's Curse of Strata, we're going to spend more time on anyway. So Descent into Avernus is going well. Like uh, Last time we chatted, they were in the middle of Van Thamper Villa. Mm-hmm. Um, that wrapped up. They met all the people they needed to meet. They killed the, the Duke. Krieg. They, they killed Krieg. Um, they got the shield. They actually, none of them, uh, so this, when you only have two players, um, you're somewhat limited, right? And so we have a monk and a sorcerer. So both of them are like, yeah, I don't, like, I want to take the shield, but I don't want the shield. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not carrying a big-ass shield. So so Rhea uh, is carrying the shield. Oh, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's oh, going wow. Up, that's right? interesting. Uh, so Ray has got the shield, uh, and wow. then, and then uh. I, and then I've got my own, so I have my character to just to give them a little bit of a boost. I, I made a life cleric just to, you know, basically sit in the back and, and keep them alive so they can be the heroes. Your uh, life cleric could carry the shield. Could, but didn't. Yeah. Um, but, but because of the nature of, of the situation, like I'm playing a, a PC and then I'm also playing the NPCs. And yeah. as of this point in the game with with Rhea and then they rescue Falister Fisk, I'm playing three out of the five characters in the party. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then they get rid of Falister, but then of course they pick up Lulu, so I'm still playing three out of five NPCs, three out of five characters in the party. Mm-hmm. So here we are. Anyway, that that's jumping ahead. They they got through the Van Thamper stuff. Uh, Falister gave him the whole, let's go off to Candlekeep and find Sylvia and she can tell you about this crazy puzzle box thing. Um, they did the whole Candlekeep thing. I, I stole a little bit. There was a, um, was it Elminster's Guide to Candlekeep yep. Yep. thing? Uh, I didn't steal from it very heavily, mm-hmm. but, uh, MT Black, I think it yep. was, had the adventure yep. in there that was sort of the alternate Candlekeep adventure. Um, after MT Black was also one of the authors of right. Descent of Avernus. Well, and 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 that that sometimes happens, right? James Intercasso yep. has done the same thing, yep. where he's done right. a bunch of like supplemental, sort of the director's cut. Right. Yeah. The thing is, I don't know that I really liked the supplemental thing that that mm-hmm. Black had in in that book, in the Candlekeep book, mm-hmm. um, except for the one scene. Like I did the the his that version. The, the Elminster's Guide to Candlekeep version of, of the Candlekeep thing is there's a council of powerful right. wizards and they're trying to discuss yeah. what to do and then demons break into or devils yeah. or whatever yeah. breaks into Candlekeep and they're running amok and you have to run around and you meet the, the dragon in the basement of the of the archives or whatever and, and then you go off to a, the, the fields of the dead where the original portal um, to hell was that, that Zeriel went through. And I really liked the last part, like the hmm. the bit of like, well, we just cast plane shift and you're there, right? That's kind mm-hmm. of that's kind of boring. Um, but the whole like go to the grove and go through the original portal by cutting down this this magical tree that a unicorn has been geest to stop you from from <laughs> cutting down, uh, yeah. that, like that's and 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 it worked exactly. The, you know, so basically, I just stole that part. Like I ran Candlekeep Keep yeah. as it is in the, in the book. But then instead of having Traxagor cast Plane Shift on him, it was like, well, now I can teleport you and Lulu to the Fields of the Dead. Lulu knows where the portal is. 
Um, she, she remembers that. And so then it come, turns into the like, okay, hey, we're in the grove. Oh, it's a unicorn. Uh, I don't want to fight a unicorn, right? right? One of my kids is really empathetic and he's like, I don't want to kill a unicorn. Like unicorns are good. And right. the other, the other uh, of my sons is much more tactical. He's like, I don't want to fight a unicorn. It's way they too powerful for ass. us. Yeah, right? Its challenge rating is crazy high. <laughs> and and it's and it's not, but they don't he didn't know the that. Unicorns are. Or that one isn't, it's, but they are. No, general, it's, right? unicorns are it's like what, CR five or whatever for a unicorn, and they're fifth level. They could have taken it. I think enough. I don't know. Unicorns aren't as powerful as the, as they could be. Uh, yeah, you're right. As, oh, as they, they're CR five, but they are legendary. There. So yeah. Uh, but in any case it didn't matter because the the tree, as described, isn't actually very powerful. So Rhea hit it with a fireball, which, if I had run it as written, would have immediately knocked it down. But again, I want the, the, my kids to be the heroes, the players to be the heroes. Um, so basically, I, I just sort of fudged the hit, the hit points of the tree and said, okay, well, the tree's burning and it's not looking good, but I allowed my youngest to run up and cast Toll the Dead and finish it off, right? Mm-hmm. And once you knock down the tree, the unicorn's geas is broken, and so it's like, oh, hey, thanks, uh, bye, and teleports away. Is it is it a bad tree? No, it's a good tree. It's like a whole. It's like a a, a naturey tree that it, you're destroying well, in order to fire up a portal. It's to hell. not even a real tree. The, the The story is like this is where the original portal that Zeriel right. took and, yeah. and the Hellriders took into hell, and the portal's yeah. still there. But right. the powerful wizards, uh, since they couldn't seal it off, basically just like created a magical grove around it and stuck a they, tree they on the portal. It, they so hid it behind a shrub? They hid it, they hid it inside of the shrub. Uh-huh. So you can't get to the portal because it's inside a tree. Sounds like something the A-team would do. I just so, put a big bush over it. Right. <laughs> and so as soon as you cut down the tree, the entire right. the entire grove disappears and there's a giant, yeah. you know, hellish crater huh. there. And uh, in the in the Candlekeep, uh, Elminster's Candlekeep, uh, supplement uh, in that version, then that's where Lulu sort of flies out and says, "Oh, hey, I remember this place," and then joins them. Right, but I liked the whole go to Traxagor thing, meet the crazy wizard that yeah, turned, like turned that himself like to, a, into an otter, like a ferret, right? Yeah. yeah, an otter. Meet meet Lulu, and they they had been like my when I got the the platinum edition of Descent into Avernus, my youngest uh, was with me, and I did a whole unboxing video, and he was like yeah. super excited about all of it. So he's seen all the props. So he right. knew that Lulu was out there yeah. uh, and was just waiting for me to pull Lulu out of the box. And now Lulu's there and, and her, you know, I got the little tusk hanging over the, the DM screen. So Lulu's like sitting there watching them the whole time. And every now and then when they're talking to Lulu, I pick up the little stuff Lulu and, and she moves around and um, yeah. it's a lot of fun. And they love Lulu because then they end up in El Torel, Um and you show up in El Torel and there's, there's a fight pretty much right away. Um, they're still fifth level, so they they struggle to have the magical ability, the magical attacks to hurt the the devils and demons they yeah. run into. Mm-hmm. Um, I I that'd then be, that'd I, be a big problem. All right, I then threw uh, so I've got the the Hell Terrell supplement that James Intercasso wrote, mm-hmm. um, and to throw in some extra encounters in El Terrell. And so there's one that can happen. Sort of you pass by it on the way. From the, where you where they appear to the castle, um, and so I threw that at him, and they're like, oh, "I'm like, oh yeah." So you remember that tavern that we started at? That was that was the very first scene in the entire adventure I ran for him because that they were Hell Riders in El Tarol. Elf songs, 
And they met at no, they met at the the Black Land, uh, Black Antlers Tavern in right. El Torrell. Uh, yeah. And then they were given a mission. They went off, and that's when El Torrell was pulled into hell, right? Right, uh, right. So, so I'm like, oh, that tavern is there. You're walking past it, and, and there's there's some devils fighting with some minotaurs out there. Uh, and, and once again, my oldest, uh, the tactician of the two, uh, is like, uh, yeah, the, um, no, I don't think we need to be involved in that. And they just kept walking. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, we're just going to like um, ignore that because – Going back for one second. So you played Fall of Elturel, the yeah. one by Justice Armand and Anthony yep. Anthony Joyce? Okay. Yep. Good. I want to I want to bookmark something on that cuz I think okay. it's interesting. No, I ran that and then I ran the the was the Adventures League one where where they run into a bunch of encounters on the way there with the refugees. Gotcha. Um, right. and I made them members of the Hellriders. So so mm-hmm. they are, you know, so they've got that connection to Elturel which has been actually a little bit of a struggle through the Baldur's Gate stuff because they didn't don't have the Baldur's Gate connection as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I we we made some connections there, but not as strongly. And that, but sure. their whole goal was to save Elturel, so a lot of the Baldur's yeah, Gate stuff cares. like right. who cares? Uh, yeah. Now now they care because they're in Elturel. Right. Uh, so then they they got that. Uh, they they skipped over that. Um, you know, which part of me is like, well, the, you know, there was your chance at a at a Holy Avenger. That was hiding in that place, but you left that it right. Yeah, there, there is. There? James put a holy avenger and a level five adventure. Yeah, dude. Yeah, <laughs> which which if you're a paladin in hell and have a holy avenger, like that's huge. But you know, yeah, right. But we don't. They're not paladins, so it wasn't a huge right. deal. Anyway. Monk is like, well, I can't use this. Right. Uh, so then they they made their way with a couple of random encounters along the way. They made their way over the bridge, so they had another encounter with some devils on the bridge. Uh, down to the to the castle, and they got a little bit of the way through the castle um, before um, we called it for the day. Basically, they had they had one encounter. You know, basically the the in the castle, the high hall, I think is what it's called. There's um, there's just four encounters, and here's a map, and you can kind of just stick the encounters wherever you want. So I'm like, all right, so let's start with just there's one on the first level. Let's put at least one on each level of the map, you know, and then stick to some stick a second one somewhere else. I don't know. Um, but but as it is, like they've gone pretty much that whole time from the unicorn through two devil encounters plus the random encounters, neither neither of which were devil encounters, then the encounter, the one encounter in the high hall, and they haven't had a break. They haven't even had a, a well. They got a short rest at one point, just because I suggested like you got to get a short rest, and you're, you're not going to make it. <laughs> so um, yeah. they got a short rest. So I mean, they're they're struggling because they don't have the you know, and there's still three encounters before they clear out the the high hall and actually have a, a headquarters where they can rest. Um, so so it's it like it jumps them into into hard mode. My youngest. Um, who's nine, I think by the end of it, uh, was like, you know, th- today's session wasn't as good. It was just combat after combat after combat. It just became a bit of a trudge. He's been really enjoying sort of the role playing and the story elements mm-hmm. of it. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, you know, and, and he's like, it was, and it's really hard. Like we're getting our butts kicked. And, and I'm like, well, you know, you've been telling me literally since level two that you wanted to go to hell. Like, did you think hell was going to be easy? It's hell. <laughs> nice. Hell is not a nice yeah. place and everything's trying to kill yeah. you. Like point has been made. Right. Um, so, but, but yeah, so that's, that's been our experience. That's where we left off um, yeah. on Sunday. So that's the descent into a Vernus game. Um, in my other game, we are in the middle of Curse of Strahd 
And that game has just completely uh, like blown up in fantastic and wonderful ways. Um, so the last time we chatted, they were kind of like flailing around on some side quests or whatever um, and, and had decided next we're going to go back into the Margrave because that's where we think the, the third seed from the winery is. And the one character is like all about, you know, I don't know what's going to happen here. I'm pretty sure we're going to be stuck here forever. So we need to get this winery going again because I need a drink. Right. That's his motivation right now. Um, but you may remember that I brought Trollskull Manor from Dragon Heist with them, though it, mm-hmm. it was also brought into the mist. And so they got word that there was trouble up at Trollskull Manor. Like, hey, that's our place. Right. And they're like, that, that's our, Let's screw with our that, place. That's our place that we haven't been to since the first session of the of the this of Barovia, right? But that's fine. Uh, so they they went back and you know their their employees have been sort of holding down holding down the fort and keeping the the bad guys away or whatever, but now they show up and they find that the place is surrounded by zombies and vampires, mm-hmm. uh, and they're just they're just all sort of casually sitting outside the the manor. Oh, you want in? Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no problem. What are you doing <laughs> here? Oh, we we were told to keep an eye on the place. It's we we got to keep it safe. You know, make, make sure nothing happens. Because I took, I took. Uh, it was uh, me stealing part of your idea, actually, with uh, the dinner with Strahd. Yeah. Uh, the 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 implicit sort of threat of there's vampires surrounding Bar- the village of Barovia right now that could attack if things go poorly. Only I had it set up outside of Trollskull Manor. Like you've got all right. your friends and your place there. Like it would be a shame if something were to happen if somebody were weren't to were to not tell them to to hold back, you know. Yeah. And so there was just sort of this implicit threat of. Um, of these undead outside of Trollskull Manor. They went inside. Uh, you know, they actually took a long rest with all the vampires outside. Like, you know what? They're just going to sit out there and wait. We'll take care of them in the morning. Let's get a long rest. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but I've also been using the interactive Tome of Strahd, which I think we've talked about where the idea is that you get to sort of decipher 12 different chapters of the Tome of Strahd. And then it pulls you in and you actually play through mm-hmm. one of the memories. You have to kind of be there. Right. right. And so that they, unlocked another chapter that night and uh, it was the chapter where they got to watch Strahd make the deal that turned him into a vampire in the Amber Temple. Mm-hmm. Um, with the witch? Well, no, with with the... the, the I guess it was with the... the with the dark the power beans, va- vampire. Right. Yeah, the dark powers, yeah. Uh, which I have never once called a dark power to them. It's always been a, a vestige of power. Right, because right. I don't want to imply, of course, that they're horrible, evil things that you shouldn't play with. Um, that immediately changed all of their motivation. Suddenly, they're like, "Margrave, what? Whatever. I don't, I don't care now." Like, clearly, Amber Temple is a big deal. This is where this all started. This is where Strahd's power comes from. If we go there, maybe we can find a way to defeat him for good, not just the temporarily that usually happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so suddenly, it's all about going to. Um, Amber Temple. There was one point where they, where I was pretty sure they weren't going to go on to Amber Temple, but they were going to, um, they were going to go to the werewolf den because they had met the werewolf in in the dungeons of the castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emil, who was basically like he met with them at one point. He's like, so I'm going to go wait for you 
outside of the werewolf den. I will lead you there, you know, to take care of that horrible boss. And I have a, a PC who has the, the haunted one background and his hauntedness, his event was he was locked up in a local prison or whatever and some creatures burst in and slaughtered everybody uh, and, and he was the only one left alive and he sort of lived through this thing, right? Uh, and it turned out as he was slowly discovering that the creatures that slaughtered everybody except him were the werewolves who had come in on a raid, slaughtered everybody, took all the children, mm. left him behind um, for whatever reason. Uh, and so, and so, yeah, so he's all about like, oh, great. So let's go hunt those bastards down and kill them all. Screw those guys. Right. And, but then the, the, then they came down to like, yeah, but do we go to the werewolves? Do we go to the Amber Temple? I even had, that's why I was going to do the playtest thing for you mm-hmm. uh, was with the, what is it? The frost giant werewolf. Yeah, uh, that's part right. of the layers. And so I, I thought, well, instead of them like turning some of the kids into werewolves and just killing the others, how about if they turn some of the werewolves and then sacrifice the others to this this frost giant werewolf just to mm-hmm. keep it at peace so it doesn't come down off the mountain, right? That was going to be right. the story. So, oh, some of the kids were just taken up the other day. You might have time if you hurry up and get to them, right? And then I was going to, you know, have them run into the 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 the, the crazy wizard uh, mm-hmm. on the way there and, and go into that whole thing. But no, they were like, nah, Amber Temple. It's all about the Amber Temple. Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, one of the one of the PCs I have been, um, I have been, I actually have two PCs that have been talking to uh, dark powers in their heads for since like level two or three. Right. right, they're they're now level nine. Uh, one of them has taken three levels of warlock with a dark power as her patron, and 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 both of these different uh, powers have been sort of telling them when you get to Barovia, I'm not going to talk to you anymore because Strahd can listen in. I'm not going to talk to you anymore, but find the Amber Temple and come to me. Right? right, I'll give you the blessing. I'll give you the power that you need to defeat Strahd. Blah blah blah, whatever. And so the one character was like. I mean, I need the power. He's he's offering me a, an opportunity to conquer death. It was Tenebris, the Lich, power. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. he, he's giving me an opportunity to conquer death. She's a tiefling, and her backstory is that she she is from Dis, uh, the city of Dis, on uh, the second layer of hell. Uh, and so she's certain, like, well, my soul is already forfeit. Like, I'm already from hell. There's no way when I die, I'm not going back to hell. Um, so I don't want to die. Like, like that's her main motivation. Right? How do I live forever? Because I don't want to go back to hell. Um, and so she was all about that and she was really tempted by that. And it turned into a really intense role-playing scene of like she's there and she's got her hand on, on, the, on the amber and she's, she's communicating with Tenebris and she's trying to make a decision about what to do. And finally the, the paladin and the druid of the party talk her out of it and she, she makes her decision and, and knowing that doing so would also break her connection to her patron. So mm-hmm. her three levels of warlock are now almost – meaningless like i let her you know keep your hit dice keep your proficiency bonuses whatever but you don't have your spells you don't have your your invocations anymore right all that's gone um until you find a new patron and that's where i want to get some help um and then during all of the chaos of that one of the other characters who had picked up there's a uh a a staff of frost that you, they can mm-hmm. pick up in there from a dead wizard, but part of the wizard's personality got trapped in the in the item. So when you pick it up, you gain a flaw, which basically makes you power hungry. Mm-hmm. So one of the other players who's carrying the staff and, and is very insistent, oh, no, no, it doesn't need to be identified. It's all cool. I got it. No, no big deal. 
right? But he knows he picked, he's picked up this flaw. So as soon as this chaos goes down, he's like, I'm going to go find one of the other dark powers and make a deal, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so, so they're going crazy and it's the party rogue. So I'm um, yeah. like, all right, make a stealth check. All right, 27. Well, nobody <laughs> sees that except, except for one. Uh, there's one NPC that's with him who was standing on the staircase when he snuck by. So there's no way that that NPC would, wouldn't have seen him except that NPC is Vasily who is Strahd in disguise. <laughs> and so Strahd's yeah. like, yeah, go for it, dude. That, that's funny, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so yeah, so he, he goes and he, he makes a dash for it, but they still haven't cleared out the Arcanoloth in the, in the entryway in the temple. So he's got to get past that by himself now. As, and he and I ran it um, solo in between sessions uh, on Discord just to see what happened and where he got. And it got to a point where he was there in the temple and the Arcanoloth is like, uh, hold monster. And he failed to save. I'm like, all right, well, that's where we'll stop <laughs> with hold monster, right? And then we'll pick up uh, because the next session was all of the vampires spawn in the, in the vault where, they, where the rest of the PCs were burst out and they have to get into a fight with them. So they're busy doing that and they can't go after the guy who ran off, who the character yeah. who ran off. Yeah. Um, and then next round was, okay, at the end of your round, you can make another save against the whole person. And he made the save, so he got unheld, but that's the end of his round. The Arcanoloth gets another round, finger of death. Oof. Right? Yikes. Which yeah. he survived because he made it. He made that save too. That's lucky because if you get fingered to death while you're held, it's automatic fail, isn't it? Or no, uh, that's not a re- that's no, not dexterity. No, that's no, constitution. It's not, not dex. Yeah, disintegrate is automatic. Sure. <laughs> uh, so the 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 rogue then makes a, a a beeline sprint straight ahead into unknown territory, but there's a door. He's just thinking, I got to get away from this statue. They still haven't figured out at this point that there's a creature in the statue doing this. They think the statue is just magical and casting spells at him. Right. Um, and so uh, he ducks back there. The door is locked. Uh, arcane lock locked, so there's nothing he can do about it, but he has a high enough passive perception. He notices the two secret doors, one of which goes to the library and one of which is in the back of the statue. Uh, he gets back together with the party. Um, they get they they sneak through the cracks into the vault, which is what was on the other side of that door that he couldn't get through. Um, mm-hmm. Fight the amber golem there. The Arcanoloth is like, well, now they're trying to get in uh, uh, a long rest in the vault, and they think they're mm-hmm. safe, but I know the arcane word. So in the middle of the night, before they finish their long rest, because they're almost completely wiped, uh, the Arcanoloth opens the vault door and, and blasts the entire party with chain lightning as a surprise round. Now let's roll <laughs> initiative, right? <laughs> so, and they still haven't had a chance to recover and get their rest in. So they are, yeah. they are strapped. Uh, but, wow. but they win. Uh, I, I dropped two of them. Uh, they didn't die, but I dropped two of them in that fight uh, on that first chain lightning. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was close. Um, and it was a tough night. And then it was, then they, then they were like, well, uh, the one who had run off is like, oh, I heard some hags down this hallway. We should go deal with that. Cause there's some Barovian witches down there. He, he doesn't know his vision wasn't such. He could see him, but he could hear him sort of cackling and, and whatever. We should take care of those before we go check out other things. Okay, let's go do that. But that's really, he just knows that that's where the vault is. He wants to go to, to make a deal. So they right. take out the Barovian witches, which are really, really easy for being in the Amber sure. Temple. Um, yeah. They take out the Barovian witches. Uh, he he gets in the last shot actually with one, on, against one of the brooms, uh, and then speaks the command word to open the vault that he wants to get into, and then ha- still has his his movement left and, and runs in there along with one of the sorcerers to, to grab the 
to touch the the the, the sarcophagus. They call him sarcophagus. It's just a big giant thing of amber, but. Um, right. So he touches it, makes the deal, takes the blessing. It, he, it wasn't the one he was aiming for because there's no way to tell which one it is, right? So he touches the one and, and takes the deal. Um, but it's the one that gives you mind blank for a year. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, but also your eyes melt, Yeah. <laughs> right? So he's got empty eye sockets uh, and everybody's like, Dude, what did you do? He's like, nothing. It's fine. This is awesome. I'm more powerful now. <laughs> you know, uh, it's like, yeah, but your eyes are gone. Now I can see. It's okay, right? And so they're all trying to wrestle with him because he's immediately then going on to the next one. He's going to go make another deal, right? Right. So he starts walking off, and they're wrestling with him. They're putting manacles on him. They're doing all this other stuff. Meanwhile, the other character who's been talking to one of the dark powers in his head uses this as an opportunity to sneak off because he's not even in the same room with him. He doesn't even have to make a stealth check. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to play with him in between sessions as well and got to a point where he – where I'm pretty sure he made the right calls that he's going to get there before anybody can stop him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he he's going to have made that deal but I, but we've tracked it. I've got my little post-it note with where he, where he is on each round in case the rest of the party uh, has a chance to sort of see him and go after him. So we'll see what happens. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, it, Amber Temple has been crazy and fun. Yeah, and, it's, a, it's a crazy place. Uh, I ran they, that one too. They did, really they did meet, uh, was, uh, I always mispronounce his name, Ex, Exen, Ex, Exanther? Yeah, Exanther, Exen, something yeah, like that. Exanther. Yeah. Uh, and they restored his mind but not his body. Uh, and, and that gave me a nice sort of opportunity for an info dump um, setting up what's going to be my act three after they get out of Barovia is going to be about the dark powers in the Emperor Temple, all choosing champions in, in the real world, right? And mm-hmm. then now you have to go and try to figure out how to re, re-seal them up again. Um, that's going to be my, my epic tier <laughs> for the campaign. So, so he got to sort of set, set up some of that story for him. My question is, and I am significantly over time, but that's going to say, you gave yourself five extra minutes and then, no, no, that. no, that's, that's, and that's part of the course for us. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. My question is my, my character who lost her warlock powers. Right. Um, I gave her some options in terms of like, I basically, I said like, you can make another deal with another patron, whatever, uh, that's fine. Um, and you and I can talk about what that's going to be so that I, I don't, so I'm just not like, cause it, it's corny and dumb to have you go like patron shopping. Right. Right, uh, right. But you and I can talk about it out of character and then and I then know, we can come up with a way that it happens. The, yeah. The, yeah. And so she wants to do, there's a, um, does she have a particular type of warlock she wants to be celestial or shadow or whatever well that's that's what this discussion was about what kind of page okay so she doesn't even okay so we'll change her build it'll change her build yes this is beyond just picking a patron right uh and so because she was uh we we use the the dark power as uh an undying to allow her to be an undying patron there is a kobold press um Warlock, I think it might be from the Heroes of the Margrave, mm-hmm. um, which fits in well because I put the Margrave in Bar- in my Barovia, right? So, mm-hmm. so it's possible there, and it's it's this patron that's all about like the hunt, right? It's it's the mm-hmm. idea is that it's like this ancient fae who went into the into the woods and became sort of the ultimate hunter and isn't really even fae anymore and is just mm-hmm. this entity that's all about you know hunter and prey and and or predator and prey and all that. Uh, and so I have to figure out 
who that is and how to extend that. Like I'm okay with letting her suffer with not having a patron for a few sessions, but eventually that's not going to be fun anymore. Right. Um, and part of me was thinking, um, that it could be the, um, so I've, I've talked about how I stole the idea of this, this vampire queen who can speak to the forest from, uh, from you, from Grindelroot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is this, this red queen that she's had some contact with. She's, you know, they, I almost had a TPK until, until this same character made a deal with her way back at level two. Right. Um, so that she's had some contact with her a long time ago. Um, that maybe that is the new patron that this vampire queen becomes the new patron. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm not entirely sure how is Tatiana. I mean, is Tatiana still like a, like a, like a driver in the campaign? Uh, Tatiana has been dead for like 200 years. I know. You mean mean Arena? Resurrected inside Irina and all of that. It's the thing that that Strahd's trying to bring back, but it could be interesting to have Tatiana as a celestial you know, as a, as a celestial patron. Yeah. So the soul is still out there. And there's, there's actually other options for celestial patrons as well. And I, and I floated that idea because we have a paladin, ASMR paladin in the party who, whose guardian angel sort of uh, character is his, his dead mother, whose soul is trapped inside of the sun sword. Um, and, and he has the sun sword. And so he sometimes sort of communes with mom Right. Um, and so there was talk that that could work, but I don't think she was as interested in the build, you know. So we already I mean, like, celestial is pretty good for being in right from Barovia, <laughs> but but we already have one, so it would just start yeah, becoming right. redundant. Yeah, so. that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you could also do Undying and have the Lich. You know, the Lich of the Amber Temple could be an Undying patron. Sure, um, but that the, but the you know. but that Lich was already like the reason that Lich is a Lich is because they made a deal with Tenebris, who is the yeah. dark power that she already rejected. Oh, I got it. Yeah, right. So, yeah. um, uh, e- evil John's pointing out it could, that it could still be secondary where like maybe the lich isn't really that allied with Tenebris. Right? It could maybe. be evil. John is pointing out that, that I'll give you your power. Evil John is pointing out that, that the Abbot, um, could make a good celestial packed, mm-hmm. uh, character. Uh, except that that was the scenario where we had some actual like real world trigger issues, uh, was yeah, that whole you. thing with the Abbot. So I don't want to bring up the Abbot again, especially with this character, if at all possible. Right. Um, so, but, but she already has the thing that she wants to do. I just got to figure out how to make it work. She wants to do, she wants to do the whole, uh, uh, predator, prey forest patron. I just got to yeah. figure it, out. It could be the Margrave. It, it, like, well, that that ad, <laughs> that actually is one of the patrons that she that she did. There was one that's where your Cobalt Press has one from for the, from the Margrave book that is basically your patron is the old forest. Yeah, um, right. she she ultimately didn't go that way, but um, yeah. and she has a bit of a love story going on with a druid, so she was interested because it would kind of you know show his influence on her as well. Um, so I just got to figure out how to make this, this hunter, uh, hunter of the, was uh, hunter in the dark or something like that is the name of it. But I got to figure, figure out how to make that approach. And do I have the patron like approach her or speak to her before they get to the Margrave? Right. Uh, or not. Do I make, let her just not have that connection for a while, uh, and, and have wait till they get to the Margrave and then she's approached, um, 
you know, sort of the story in my head of that vampire queen in the Margrave and and Strahd was basically there's two powerful undead entities here. Uh, Strahd can't handle going into the Margrave because it's strong enough to to make his life difficult. Right. So he says sort of a detente. The, these two vampires have a detente. You know, mm-hmm. you t- you take care of the Margrave stuff. I'll take care of the rest of the valley. We'll stay out of each other's way. So I don't know that I, I want her like actually leaving the forest to come and, and find her and make a deal. Um, right. I don't know. So I, that's that's where I'm at. That's the struggle I'm, I'm dealing with now is how do I introduce this new patron? Right. Right. And I don't know that we have time to talk about it much because we're way over my time. <laughs> well, yeah, I think we had a few ideas that we kicked back and forth, but right. yeah, yeah. Let's see where let's see where it goes. In any case, well, yeah, I'll keep rolling it around in my head. I, I probably need to figure something out before the next time we chat. This is our October recording, although um, it's actually happening at the end of September. Um, so our next recording will be the beginning of November. Um, right. uh, we'll see. I, I imagine by then I'll have figured it out and done something, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> So before we go to you, I do want to remind people if you want to support the show um, that you can do so by shopping on Amazon or DMs Guild by following the links at thetomeshow.com. And you can also support us directly at patreon.com slash thetome. Yes. Uh, And become a patron there and uh, support us directly. Yeah, that's it. Mike. Yo. You have a very strict 20 minutes on the schedule. Yeah, exactly. So you go for it. Uh, I so I'm I'm running both my Eberron. I have two Eberron games and a Descent and Avernus game that are the the games I'm running now. And I think it'll be more interesting to talk about Descent and Avernus because you're running Descent and Avernus, mm-hmm. and we can we can pontificate those ideas. My Eberron game is moving along. It's starting to hit the downward the downward slope. I think like I know where the ending is going to be. I know what's going on. Lots of interesting things. I'm stealing a whole lot from Stephen King's Dark Tower series. Okay. So they're going to a city called Essen, which is going to be a lot like Lud. In in wastelands, sure. Uh, which is, you know, they're going to see a giant, evil, sentient warforged train that is being treated like a god. Uh, there's going to be Led Zeppelin, not Led Zeppelin, uh, ZZ Top, <laughs> ZZ okay. Top playing in the background, the okay. god drums, and every time people hear it, they start sacrificing people. So there's going to be all kinds of cool stuff going on there. Um, my Wednesday group tomorrow night is going to be going there for the first time. Is this and, in uh, the Mornland? Because I know you were your champion. Mornland, yeah. Okay. So they will be they will be in the Mornland, and they'll be in the Mornland for the rest of the campaign at okay. this point. Um, and and yeah, so I kind of see where this is headed. I think I don't know how many more sessions it's got to go. I haven't done my prep for my game tomorrow, so I don't know what that's going to be like. But there's like three or four different places in uh, Eston, the city that they're going to, that right. they're going to need to kind of go through. Um, but I have this sort of path in mind of like, you know, they go to Eston, they meet Karshak, the crazy sentient train. They take the train to uh, uh, what's the place called? The City of Making, which is in the Glass Plateau. And that's where the weapon of the making the weapon of the of the of morning was made. Uh, they go to a place called Clawspire, which was where it was built. And now it's sort of I, I, all I, I don't really even know what it is yet. I haven't even really <laughs> thought this through. But I think it's like a giant rift in the earth that has been created that goes like down into Kyber and has this like connection between all three dragons. And I don't know what I just I got all kinds of craziness there. So I'm really playing it year by, you know, playing it by year, playing it, you know, uh, uh, playing it uh, session by session to see how things go. But I think it'll be a lot of fun. And um, but yeah, so I've also been playing on basically every between every two and three weeks, a uh, my Descendant Avernus game. 
And that one has been very interesting. And we hit some stuff that I think is, you know, is, is, is interesting to bring up with you. I did a, I did a video about it on yesterday about soul coins and the issue with soul coins. Mm, I saw that you um, were talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, uh, so there's a couple things. One is I didn't like either of the paths. So we, we passed uh, El Terrell, right? They got through El Terrell and everything that all ran fine. So like chapter, you know, the, we, I ran like you, I ran fall of El Terrell mm -hmm. as the intro. So they're tied to the Hellriders or tied to, uh, to El Terrell and they're tied to Rhea Mantlemorn, which is a much stronger way of running this adventure than to sure. try to run it as is. So that worked really well. We did all the stuff in Baldur's Gate. They got through that. They went into El Terrell and I didn't pad out El Terrell. I really just had them go you know, through the city, see what was going on, get to the Citadel, yeah, get to the, the high hold, find the survivors there, then go to the temple, close the gate, meet, you know, meet people and then, and then get Ultar Raven Guard to get back and all that. So they did all that. And I, I knew that there were these paths and I'm like, okay, well, I don't think I, everything I've heard says that the path of demons and path of devils doesn't really work that well. It's not that much fun. It's a bunch of whole, it's a bunch of quest of, of like collection quests mm. with the constant problem. Like, like, like you waited for us to come here to go get that thing for you. Like, just go get it. It's right over there. Right. right. So there's a lot of like why the adventurers have to be the ones to do it. This is my understanding. You know, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to read through it and I'm going to pick the locations that I like. I'm going to figure out ways. There's another some cool places. Yeah. There's a lot of cool places. So like, what are the, what are the, what's the path that I'm going to take? And I came up with a storyline, which I was calling the path of the hell riders. And the idea there was there's these like five generals that served Zariel and some of them went bad and some of them stayed good. And, uh, you know, Yale, the paladin who ended up getting Zariel's sword is on the good side. Jandar Sunstar is on the good side. But then there's these three others that kind of fell along with Zariel and now serve Zariel. And I thought, like, it'd be kind of fun. So their, their whole thing is like the party knows, like, we've got to find the bleeding citadel and get the sword. Like, that's our goal. And then I, my thing is like, well, how do I get you a path that gets to the sword but isn't like it's right over here? You know, like <laughs> get in the car, drive 20 miles east and there's the Citadel and you're done. So, you know, I, my thought was like, you have to follow the path of the, of the Hell Riders. You got to, mm -hmm. you know, that you, first you got it. So, so Yale pl placed the sword and stayed there. So no one knows where Yale is except one other Hell Rider. And that's Jandar Sunstar. And Lulu. He knows what's that. And, and Lulu, but Lulu's totally unreliable. Right. So e Evil John points out that, that uh, your idea works really well as well if you... Because you can make the five generals connect to player backstory. Yeah, it's a good idea. Because, because like, you know, in order to be a Hellrider, you have to be descended from some of the original Hellriders. Right. Wouldn't it so be awesome if, if Great Grandpa was one of these generals? Yeah. yeah. Grandpa is actually Olandar, the Death Knight. Yeah, yeah I'm going to steal so, that. <laughs> yeah, And, um, well, so the thing that I failed at was I made, I basically like, like, like lore dumped them about the generals and said, like, if you want to find Yale, you have to find Jandar. If you want to find Jandar, you have to find one of the other hell riders, one of the other generals. And, all, and, and they're the only ones who know where Jandar is. And so I created this like linear path of like, find one of the generals that'll get you to Jandar. The Jandar gets you to Yale and then you'll be at the bleeding Citadel. And the players. So a, a couple of my players are like, it, they're, they're like, well, it feels really railroady because it's like one guy to one guy to one guy. Right. Um, and, and I, I, I guess what I wish I had done is saying like, so the three generals that exist are, um, you know, they're, they're basically what I wish I had done is said like, you need to get to Jandar 
Um, but you have to, you can do it by finding any one of the three generals that serves Ariel and, and if, and, and you get to pick which one and where, mm -hmm. so you could, for example, find, you know, the general who's hanging out at the crypt of the hell riders. Uh, you know, you could, you could find the other, you know, the other one that I added was, um, uh, Galen prime water, Galen prime. What's his name? He's the, he's the dude that you find in the, in the temple in El Terrell originally. Oh. And he's also one of the he's one of the characters in Fall of El Terrell. Gideon Prime Ward. Oh, Gideon Lightward. Lightward. So I made him one of the generals, right? And he was like the spy general who Zariel sent back into El Terrell to get it prepared oh. for the whole thing. And so he's a vampire general. So you have like a vampire general, a death knight general, you know, a a hell what what a hell knight general. Jandar, who's a vampire and stuck course, on a tree. And, and of course, how a vampire general was hanging out in El Torel with a second son hanging over it, who knows? Who made the second son? So, so Zeriel just said it didn't affect him? Yeah. Guess okay. what? It doesn't affect him. <laughs> yeah. Why not? It's her son. She can probably make it do whatever she she wants. Uh, so yeah, that was the deal. It's like he, he was, you know, in, in his state, he could, he could walk around and be perfectly fine inside El Torel. Um, because she made it that way. Right. Right. Uh, and in the meantime, he's a vampire the whole time. So, you know, the idea, I, I wish I had put out more options of like three or four different paths, but I did put out more paths and I had like, um, uh, what's his name? The, uh, uh, Kr um, Krull, uh, Archon's Archon? guy showed up uh, yeah. and said, my boss wants to talk to you. And so they went and met with Archon and Archon said, you can give up this whole sword nonsense. All I need you to do is go get this object in this temple. But I need you to get the word to open the object. And the word is held by this Obelix guy that's being tortured by Bell. So go rescue the, Ob Ob the Ob Obriax, the Ob rescue the Obriax, get the word from him, then pick up the item, bring it and the word to me and I'll break, I'll free Elturel, which he would do by opening up the puzzle box and inside is Tiamat <laughs> and then Tiamat's free. And then Tiamat will agree because she's lawful evil. She'll say, okay, I will fulfill the deal and I will burn the chains and El Terrell will be free. And that'd right. be the end of the campaign. So I gave a whole other path that they could take to free El Terrell through Tiamat. I mean, um, is that the end of the campaign or is that the beginning of a whole new campaign about the war for yeah. control of the first layer of hell? Well, yeah, but involved in that right like i i'm i'm kind of yeah because it's an alt it, because this adventure because i'm running this like every other week and every three weeks mm -hmm. i don't mind doing it quickly and having a lot of stuff happen fast in the camp in the sessions well, there's no way my players would just let the campaign stop there you know <laughs> i don't know i mean they'll yeah mine will end when i say it's done so okay. they'll, they'll <laughs> you know they'll, they'll do it but they're not about to like they don't care like no one cares about like well who runs avernus they're like all we want to do is get our city back Right. And if they get the city back into the prime plane, you know, but they saw through that and they're like, we're not letting Tiamat free. We're not helping this guy. Like, this sounds really right. bad. So they said, we respectfully decline. And he's like, then get the hell out of my citadel. And so they did. And he left. And um, so now they're back to finding the finding the, the, the items again. Um, and they are now halfway through uh, the crypt of the Hell Riders. And then the Death Knight's going to show up, and it's going to turn out that he's actually betraying Zariel too. So they'll have that option to not have to fight a Death Knight and two Gorgons, which is a good idea when you're level eight. Um, but yeah, the Soul Coin thing, and and so one of the big things that I've been thinking about a lot with the Soul Coins, and I talked about, is like what are the themes of the adventure, and what are the things that reinforce that theme as you're playing it, 
And the idea of like burning souls to power a vehicle for a day didn't sit well at all with my players. And well, what you know, what what theme specifically does it does it not jive with? So it certainly doesn't jive with like the sacrifice and redemption theme. Like right. saving three hundred people in Elturel is not worth burning fifty souls permanently. Right. Right. Like you know, you're better off letting everybody in Elturel die, and at least their souls are okay. But they're bad people souls. But how bad is it? <laughs> it doesn't matter how bad the person is mm -hmm. because it's an eternal soul. Murder right. is not nearly as bad as destroying a soul permanently. So pretty much nothing other than destroying souls of their own. That's about the only thing where somebody's evil right. is so bad that their soul's worth destroying. And even then, it's still terrible. It right? certainly does throw a, a crimp on the, the theme of redemption, which is the theme that I'm... That, well, that's why I brought it up, is because right. it sounds like you're also headed that path. And I think right. that, like, and, and particularly if, you, if one of your players is like, I don't want to hurt unicorns. Right. You know, oh, I mean, and my players... Unicorn in there, too. Right. right? Oh, well, and I've, I've laid the yeah. groundwork for that, but um, the the... That is, that is likely to be a thing because my my current players are my kids and they're not only like they're not even on much of a redemption arc themselves. Their big secret, their dark secret, was that they tried to overthrow the government of Baldur's Gate to install a democracy. So they were always the good guys. Put it there. That's the best bad secret possible. Right. <laughs> so well, an interesting thing for your campaign is like if Rhea's got the shield. You can kind of pull a Baldur's Gate or not? Yeah, Baldur's Gate, not Baldur's Gate three, a Diablo three style thing, uh -huh. where she, if she stays in the city and she, like, let's say they go off into hell and do their stuff, but she's not with them, um, she could be slowly getting corrupted by the shield, and when they come back, she's the villain, <laughs> right? Like, you know, now her eyes are burning red, and she's the one that's like, I'm gonna, you know, I think, I think, I think uh, Zarya was right, and maybe she becomes one of the generals, right? And now you got to worry about her. So that could be a fun thing. And that's sort of the third arc with mine is like the shield and Gargoth. And mm -hmm. Gargoth is probably the only other creature that can also break the chains. And Gargoth is like, if you throw me, if you can find a way to get me out of this dumb shield, I'll break the chains. Like I'll find a way to do it. You right. know? And but, so but how do you get him out of the shield? What's your idea? Uh, I thought was that that Bell's forge could right. break it. That's what I was thinking. And if, too. if they can hurl the shield into Bell's forge, it will break Gargoth out, and then Bella's like, "Oh shit, Gargoth's here!" Right, right. And then, and then we go back to the previous story of now the rest of the campaign is a war on Avernus for control. Well, Avernus has been in war forever anyway. Like, who yeah, cares about the war? But not between demon or de uh, archdevils. <laughs> kind of like Zariel no. and Bell were an issue. Yeah, no, you're not. You're not wrong. This is a theme in infernal <laughs> story. So the idea, of, like, yeah, I, I had this sort of image in my head of like they throw there. You know, one character throws the shield into the forge of Bell, and it, and breaks free, and then. Gargoth comes out and says, and it builds a sword forged from the metal that's in Bell's forge, mm. and, and says, "This will cut it." <laughs> and and by the way, now I'm going to go to war, right? Right. So yeah, so I, I don't I don't know if that's going to make its way in there or not. I don't know mm -hmm. how that's sort of going to play out at this point. Um, I've got some other sort of things on the way that they'll run into. I I want to have the whole Lulu gets grabbed up by hell wasps. I think that'll be fun. Um, there's oh, yeah, you know, I think. I didn't even tell you. I didn't even tell you how much my players love Lulu. Oh my gosh! Like every every time she's remotely threatened, they throw themselves in the way yeah, to save her. A, right, right. Um, that's a good pull. 
uh, for me, Lulu disappears for sessions at a time. And then we just suddenly remember that she's there and she says some stuff I'm like, oh yeah, Lulu's here. See, right? I, think, I think that's where the little stuff to Lulu on my DM screen will be helpful. Yeah, I'll, I'll always be thinking of Lulu. Yeah. It would help. So that's that's kind of where my Avernus game has been going. I, I, I'm kind of just, you know, sort of ramming it through too. I'll tell you, the characters are powerful as hell. They're six level. There's five of them. They're six level. Two people are brand, or not branded in D&D, but only been playing for like six months now. And they beat a, a Goristro, you know, like mm. a CR, whatever the hell, CR 18 or something like that. And it hit them hard, but they took it down. So I'm like, they're going to tear through just about everything. I was a little worried about like Death Knights. I don't know about a Death Knight, even though the Death Knight can be a good person. Um, although I'm pretty sure a Death Knight and two Gorgons are, are trouble. You know, that's, that's going to be pretty hard, but you never know. Um, so it's been going along, but I'll, I will say that like, you know, boy, this adventure needs a lot of work, right? Like Descent and Avernus more so than other adventures that I've, that I've run. Like I didn't have to do this much work for Tomb of Annihilation. Yeah. We, have to- we, we've had this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I, I, I still don't buy that it needs any more work than anything else I've run, but we'll see. Well, so there's there's needs work and can be worked, right? And the question is, you know, there's there like, I I think there are things that need to be done to get two of annihilation in the right spot. It's like four things, and once you do it, it's okay. Uh, Curse of Strata didn't feel like I really needed to do much. I was kind of happy to do stuff, and I modified it heavily, but I didn't feel right. like I needed to. I didn't right. feel like, oh, if you don't do it this way, you're host. But the descent, I definitely feel like there's there are there are things that are thematically off. There are major motivation points that that are are off, right? Like, if you don't play it with a connection to Elturel, there's no reason to go to hell, right? And then if you do play it with Elturel, then all of these dark things that you have to put in front of your characters, they're they they're the best choices. Don't bite onto any of those, right? So there's there's these like weird thematic parts, yeah. And then yeah, so. I, but even you know, if I'm going to be so harsh as to call it a quote unquote bad adventure. Even a bad adventure gives you a lot of stuff to squeeze out and use, right? <laughs> and so it's like, I'm I'm still going to enjoy it at the end of the day. I have to do more work, but that's okay. And and yeah. I'm and I'm still not on board with that that assessment pretty much at all. I, I don't, so. <laughs> don't want to say yeah. I don't want to say the the, mean, the issues that it has are not as big to me as the issues in a couple of other adventures that they've published. And it automatically gets a, an extra boost because I'm a big fan of Blood War stuff. So that's automatically going to get bonus points yeah. for me. And I, yeah, so like it's pretty, um, if I ranked the adventures, it's, it's pretty low on that list for me. Mm. You know, I feel like I, I you know, I, I feel like I have to do more work. I felt like I've had to do major structural things to this one more so than even like Horde of the Dragon Queen, you know, and, or, or, Prince of the Apocalypse, which gets terrible reviews all the time, and I still have an easier time running that one. I I, I like Prince of the Apocalypse. I, I I said something on Twitter the other day about how I think it's probably the most underrated adventure they published to date. But that could be true. Yeah. Um, it's a first level encounter that doesn't kill you, so that's nice. I, I yeah, maybe I'm so naive I can't even imagine we're that far off. <laughs> like you know, unless we're like Senator Avernus is the best adventure ever, it totally works, and I'll be like, really. Well, you know, it's probably in my top three right now, but you have to buy a whole other adventure to get it to work. I, I've I've literally haven't run a single adventure yet where I didn't go out and buy whole other adventures. You have to with this one. <laughs> I don't know that you do. <laughs> That's a I, I don't think so hey, at all. Couple characters go there and kill this cult, and if you don't, we'll send veterans after you to kill you. Yeah, yeah. 
Why aren't the veterans going to kill in the cult? Yeah. Well, we can have a conversation about why Storm King's Thunder is, is, is a horrible adventure because it has no literal story that, that concludes. Uh, I'm with you on that one. Right? But we, you know what else? Has a first level adventure that doesn't kill you. You fight some goblins. Right. It's perfect. Which, which adventure are you ragging on for having a first level encounter that kills you? All of the, all of the others. Oh, okay. I was going to say because the- – I start Death House – Descent into Avernus. Well, but Death House was always a supplement. Dragon, that, Dragon, that's Dragon, not Curse of Strahd. So, like, pretty much everything yeah. since. You well, know. I just thought you were you were making a a, a dig at Rhyme of the Frostmaiden because that's been one of the critiques of. I'm that adding adventure. that one, but but that is not the first. And no. boy, you you can line up all the others. No, it's I, it, I, it is. I was like bitching about first level adventures for like five years. Yeah, no, it is absolutely <laughs> accurate. The, Wizards of the Coast clearly does not know how to introduce an adventure after all these years uh, with a, an appropriate first level encounter. They don't even follow their own rules. No. Right? Like you guys wrote the encounter building rules. They don't work. They're not working for this. Well, they're not not the way they're – yeah, no. First, The first encounters uh, have been traditionally way over difficult uh, and, and not for – particularly necessary reasons no not good reasons like go ahead and make the end hard <laughs> right. like i guess I'll well but they, but they but they i mean like, but this is the tradition right they started they started with the first one uh uh yeah, horde, of the horde of the dragon yeah, queen like every, yeah. the, the the big takeaway from horde of the dragon queen is wait a minute you know that first level characters are squishy like this is not okay <laughs> they actually went and fixed it that they in the reprint well, it is lightweight and the reprint's good the reprint, you get first, you get second level right after you beat a bunch of kobolds. Right. It, you do one encounter and then you're second level. I'm like, that's yeah. exactly the way it ought to be. Yeah, no. Prince of the Apocalypse, I, I don't remember having a, a difficult start. Good. It has a great intro. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Out of the Abyss, I argue, is okay for the theme you get. You know, like, you, it, but, as long as you guys are on board. But Out of the Abyss guess. starts, like, but the, I mean, they, they build that from, from, from the get go as, like, D and D on hard mode because you start. Yeah, not really. It's still not as hard as it's not as hard as the later ones. Like because yeah. you're in prison, you know you're in prison. You don't have anything, and you know you got to break out. It's not like, hey, go hunt the guy with CR three. Right. Now I'm digging on. No, I'm Frostmaiden. So. <laughs> and for what it's worth, I've run that encounter in Frostmaiden, and um, I think I dropped two players, but but they won and nobody died. So first level, how many characters? It was five. It can be done. Yeah, I ran. Yeah, it's so it's it's, it's, it's really hard. They, they did. Had, they did make a, a hard first encounter. Yep. Yeah, he, he had regen and everything. You did his regen. I, yeah, I think I did it all. I don't remember now, but yeah, oof, hardcore. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So that's my that's my descent in Avernus game. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes, and. Uh, yeah. All right. So, uh, in that interest, then let's move quickly into questions from our Twitch stream. So, this is your chance. Ask a question of us about our games, or about your games, or about life, the universe, and everything. Those of you watching on the Twitch stream, this is your chance. Start at posting your questions. Evil John says, "In Avernus or Avernus, because you and I are going to pronounce everything differently." Um, is it fair to just ignore the soul coin requirement for the hell machine? So what would be the consequences of just not having soul coins? Um, I mean, so what I switched it over to demon essence, right? And they have that sort of demon icker, which is a thing. 
So, I, 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 you know, you could use Demon Icker. I used it, like, I gave them a Ghostbusters tool that they have to kill demons and then it sucks in the demon essence. And then you can feed that into a coin and you get demon coins, which are very similar to soul coins. Mm. Um, and you can burn those in there and they last for a fair while. And that way there's like a, you've got to go kill demons in order to get it. I mean, arguably, one of you know, the... Some kind of thing. Arguably, uh, not even arguably, one of the definite themes of Descent into Avernus is that of temptation as well. Because there's lots of opportunities to get powerful things that you know aren't good for you, like the shield. Sure. Yeah, um, right. And 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 so that's the, and I and, and so the soul coins play into that temptation of like you could get something that's personally good for you, but you have to do this probably horrible thing. I wonder if it wouldn't work to swap. You know how the, like basically the soul coins run the hell uh, engine yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like, like a boost. I wonder yeah. if you could swap it so that you you know yeah, you, you got some soul better. coins. You got to make a decision. Like, do yeah, you want to burn perfect. it to save your ass right now? Right. Um, but no, burn soul. Right, right, but normally you can you can just that's run better. it run it on Icker. I think that's actually yeah. a smart way to do it. That works. That works well. I agree. You I just agree fix we well. do, this conversation. Thank you for asking that question, Evil John. This conversation mm -hmm. just totally fixed um, <laughs> that part of descent into Avernus for me. So mm -hmm. Avernus, Avernus, whatever. Uh, how did you say the the minute, big Minotaur devil demon thing? Uh, the big oh, the Agoristro. Yeah, the Goristro. Well, let's see what it says. On <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Eloy C. Unsurprisingly, also ah. has a question. Oh, You're right. It's Goristro. Ah. Mercer's voice thing. I win. Uh, Mike is running one 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 versus one with Michelle. Yeah. I am uh, Jeff is running one versus two with his kids. I want to run one versus one with my daughter. I have the essentials box. What other adjustments or tips would you suggest to make it work? Monster hit points adjustments or decreased number of opponents, etc. I want to run Frost Maiden for my daughter. Um, you've got more ideas on one-on-one. -on -one. Now, running Descent into Avernus, in my case, has gone okay. Um, but part of that is because I threw in a PC, so we had three. And then right. the, the adventure adds in you know, up to two or three other NPCs. And so uh, I'm not using any of the Essentials Kit sort of sidekick rules. I thought mm -hmm. about it, but um, the one time mm -hmm. I played around with it, it was just too much to try to remember to level up basically what D&D Beyond adds on to your character sheet as, as an item, as your sidekick. Right. Um, I didn't really like the way, and probably probably just because of the way D&D Beyond did it, it was just easier for me to run my own DMPC. Um I think the other thing that I was originally thinking to do before I realized that I was going to have all these extra NPCs and to make it easier, like I just statted out Rhea. I made her a, a fighter, a fighter something. I mean, she's, just, she's just a straight fighter, but I, but I sat her out as a, as a PC. Uh, mm -hmm. I did the same thing with Falister before I read ahead and realized, oh, he's going to leave in like a half a session. So I guess I didn't need to do that. But um, <laughs> I liked him too. I had a fun little voice for him and everything, but whatever. Um, yeah. but yeah, so, so that's how I've been handling it with fewer players. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess the other thing I would probably do and probably should have done more of since Elturel has been really hard for him is, is actually tone down the difficulty a little bit. I've just been sort of running it as is, uh, pa partially because this is, this is also, this campaign with my kids is also a test run for when I'm going to run this for my other group. Um, mm -hmm. but, but that's where I'm at. So what do you, you've done one-on-one -on -one, though. And yeah. Which is more so I've done a couple different one-on-one -on -one campaigns now. Um, so I really like the idea of, uh, 
that the DM role plays a sidekick, but the player runs a sidekick. Um, especially if you have if you have experienced, you know, if your player is experienced with with doing that. For Michelle, uh, she has no problem running two characters, so that worked out really well. She she controls them both mechanically, but we role play. I role play her sidekick for her, and that way she has somebody to banter off of, and it's also a great way to throw out hints and you know story lore and everything else that really matters. So it's actually a really great vehicle for for you know kind of driving the whole campaign. Um, and then mechanic wise, everything is about action economy, right? And so when you see five players or six players or seven players and they start to dominate fights, it's almost always because the action economy is in their benefit. And the same is true when you have fewer characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a, you know, I forget what it's called. It is a geometric, you know, geometric progression that essentially it goes, you know, the, the power goes up at a rate higher than the number of characters that you're adding, right? The synergy, there's a benefit of the synergy between those characters that go, that goes higher as well. And, uh, the same, that, that same geometric progression happens when you go the other direction. If you have two, there are certain parts of it. Like it's way easier to drop two characters than it is to drop four. So you can TPK much easier when there's only two characters. Uh, so a lot of it is, you know, really watching like how many monsters you're throwing up against the characters and, and start with that default level of two, right? That, like, you know, if you're putting more character, more monsters than characters, you know, the default should be about two and then it goes up slightly. And then, you know, if they're pretty powerful, if they're fifth and sixth and seventh level, you can start to throw a lot of CR one quarter guys at them because they're going to get blown away with shatters and fireballs and everything else. Um, but you know, you're not going to want to throw the kind of monsters you're throwing at, at a full group. Um, because that they just won't have the same, they won't have that same robustness where like if one character goes down out of five, you still have four fifths of your party. If one character goes down out of two, you lost half your party. (laughs) So there's a lot of like, so, so really it's about watching the number of monsters more so than the, the power of those monsters. The only time the power is an issue is when you have somebody that's significantly higher or if they're legendary and you can scale legendary guys down too by essentially not giving them as many legendary actions. So you might scale them. If you only have two characters, you might just give them one legendary action or even no legendary actions. And, and that, you know, cause the, the whole reason they have legendary actions is to account for that action economy of fighting four characters. Mm-hmm. If there aren't four characters, they don't need it anymore. And then you can sort of dip their, you sort of dip their, their power down. Right. Um, and unlike and then, unlike descent, rhyme doesn't have like easy NPCs that are going to be hanging out with the the players. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't read enough to see, so, but that wouldn't surprise like, me. No, you like, can always add. You, I mean, but, you I, could, I, but I tell you, I really like. I, I'm I really liked just two, right? Like I'm I'm perfectly happy with not having an yeah. army of NPCs following around. Oh no, just, I'm, no, letting it, them have it, a couple. It yeah. drives me crazy that when you've got. Because because Wizards has done that regularly. Like here's a bunch of NPCs for the DM to run, uh, right. out of the abyss, tomb of annihilation, yeah, sure. uh, descent into Avernus. Keeps throwing NPCs, and it's like, no, I have an, uh, the whole world to play. Stop making me play NPCs constantly right. too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we've yeah. So so the yeah. I'd I'd, I'd say one other thing is also go ahead and give them a fair number of magic items and give them items that let them step outside of their class. Mm-hmm. So giving them things that let them heal when they don't have healers, giving them uh, area of effect spells when they don't have damage dealing area of effect people. And maybe so that, like, maybe on know, that note, even consider taking give your fighter a 
beat a necklace of fireballs. You but, know? but but taking some of those items that normally would require attunement and th- rethink whether it actually should need attunement because with with only one PC that makes right. the attuned items a lot less valuable because they, they, they yeah. only ever at, get three. At higher levels, you might have to worry about that. Right. Generally, at lower, I don't know if you worry about too much. And then, then, then the decision of like, well, which one of these items do I really want to attune given the situation I'm going to go into is a kind of a fun strategy to take that I don't think a lot sure. of characters, I don't think a lot of players worry about it too much. They just, I don't want it. Do you want it? I'm already full up. You you take it, right? right. Who, who hasn't used up all their... I mean, in all the campaigns I've run, I doubt I've run into a situation where every character used all of their attunement slots. You know, like, I've almost always had people where they have some attunement. The other one, I like a relics. You know, these idea of single-use magic items that can do a big spell. Right. And I love throwing out relics that have a power on them that's way greater than what the characters can normally do. So, like, they're fourth level, and they've got a, a circle of death item. You know, and you're like, because it's like they're they're walking around with a nuclear bomb. Right. Right. They can only use it once and they're not going to break the game because it happens one time. But boy, it's you know, it gives them that option. So and the same thing with like necklace of fireballs or scrolls or anything like that. So, yeah. So I think those are my big ones is, you know, you uh, uh, player runs the sidekick mechanically. DM role plays the, the sidekick. Watch the number of monsters specifically. Focus on the number of monsters and make sure that you start with that default of two and then think hard about whether you're going up from there just for because of the action economy. And uh, let expand the character's capabilities through magic items. Those are my probably my big three tips. All right. So those are our questions from the Twitch audience. Uh, if you want to be in the Twitch audience in the future, twitch.tv slash show is where we stream. Um, it, basically, any recording that I'm leading uh, is streamed um, for the time being. And so um, – and you can always get notified about that on our Twitter. Um, I am at Squatch, S-Q-U-A-C-H. The show is at The Tome Show. Mike is at Slide Flourish. Uh, Sam is at DM Samuel. You can tweet him even though he wasn't here and, and tell him all kinds of things about, uh, what we said about him while he was gone. Uh, and somehow, so shockingly, Mike, with only two of us here, we still managed to have an, an hour and 15 minute long episode. <laughs> you don't say. Weird. And st- steal yeah, your, weird, steal, weird that works out. steal your mind wasn't in the audience to, to make fun of me for, for talking a long time either. So <laughs> but I, I, by the way, w- talked way longer than you did. Um, which is, you don't say, yeah, no, <laughs> no. Um, it, it's happened a couple times that I've gone on for a long time. Um, right. and once was tonight with only you here. And I think once was the one, one of the times that you missed and it was just, uh, Sam and I, I went on for right. a long time on that one too. So, um, yeah, anyway, I think that's the end of our episode, unless you have any last minute things you want to say. Nope. All good. All right, good, because it's about 15 minutes of bedtime for me. Uh, So uh, thank you all for listening. Thank those of you in the the chat, in the Twitch stream, for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, Keep doing that. This has been Behind the DM Screen for October 2020. And that's it. Say goodbye, Mike. Goodbye.